law, advocate at heart. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, it means that you survived Thanksgiving dinner. As a disclaimer, if you know me, you know that I will never tell you not to talk politics at Thanksgiving or Christmas or any other time. Uh, But my goal is always for this podcast to help you become an even better communicator and advocate, an informed and effective advocate for your passion issues and causes. So today I have an amazing interview for you with Brendan Kumarasamy. He is an accomplished communication coach for ambitious corporate executives and entrepreneurs alike. He's also the founder of Master Talk. His YouTube channel, Master Talk, provides key insights and practical advice to helping everyday individuals utilize his top speaking tips. So please sit back and enjoy. Well, hi, Brendan. Thank you so much for coming on today. Pleasure's mine, Rachel. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to dig into this because today I think that is a, it's a really good opportunity for listeners to really learn and dig into how they can become better speakers. It's affecting their careers, perhaps, and having to do, you know, maybe board meetings, and it's affecting their daily lives and like having conversations on a daily basis. I think having better public speaking skills makes you a better conversationalist, a better group conversationalist. So I'm so excited to kind of arm them with those tools and resources that they can, they can learn from today. Absolutely, Rachel. 70 to 80% of my clients are actually corporate executives. So, so we're definitely in the right place for sure. Nice, nice. Um, what what kind of, I know that you have like videos for a wide range of individuals. You have um, videos for those kinds of clients, but you also have videos for kids. Can you kind of um, talk to us about your business and how you came to have such a wide range of clientele? Yeah, for sure, Rachel. So for me, the, the story starts in university slash college. I went to business school. And my goal was never to be an entrepreneur or a communication coach or a YouTuber. The goal was to be an executive, to be a partner at a consulting firm or something like that. So, so I went to business school to, to study accounting. And I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds, kind of like the business version of mood court in law school. So I did all of those case competitions while other guys my age were playing football. And that's how I learned how to communicate ideas effectively. And that's what accidentally led to Master Talk because I was coaching a lot of the students in college and I got really good at coaching. And so I started making videos on YouTube because I felt, well, most people can't afford a coach. So let me just make videos. And they just turned into something I never could have imagined. I, I did like talking to people, but I didn't really have a passion for communication and speaking. I was actually bad at it most of my life for a few reasons. One, I grew up in Montreal which is a city you need to know how to speak French in. And it's a language I didn't know. So my whole life, not only was I presenting, I was presenting in a language I didn't even know. So I was struggling to get my thoughts across. That's one. Second, I have a crooked left arm. And the reason is because of a surgery I had when I was two years old. So I always had a lot of social anxiety around that when I would would present. And then the third thing is you would think Mm. that a communication expert studied in comms. Yeah, I got a bachelor's degree in accounting, which has very little to do with what I do today. So there you go. When you you were kind of 
branching out into this, like, how did you find ways to kind of overcome those, those insecurities? The fear of communication is not something we should try to remove, but rather a relationships we need okay. to learn to manage. So I'll give you an example. Let's say, for example, we have a boxing ring. And on one side of the ring, we have the fear, the anxiety, the stress around communication. And the other side of the ring is the message. Why do we want to share our ideas with the world? Why is this important for us in our careers and our family? Because communication is not just about getting a promotion, right? It's not just about a sale. It's about being right. a better parent to our children. It's about making new friends. It's about ordering yes. food at a restaurant and making the waiter feel really good about themselves. That's what communication is for. So for me, when I thought about that boxing analogy, it wasn't about trying to get rid of the fear. But rather make sure that when that bell rings, Rachel, that the message gets the knockout punch, that the message wins every single day of the week. And if we approach communication from that lens, we'll always overcome our fear. Yes, I love that because I, I too, I just want the, the podcast that I have to really dive into issues so that people at all walks of life can be more comfortable with communicating things that they hear about on a daily basis that are in the news and tough issues. And it's really that, like you said, understanding that it's communication makes you a better parent. It makes you a better employee. It makes you a better spouse. It makes you so many things that we don't realize communication affects. Um, so when you go about your classes, what's usually, what would you say is like some of the biggest problems that you see people run into when they're, beginning the process of learning how to be a better communicator. Yeah, I would say the biggest problem that we can solve today, Rachel, is structure. So what does being a great communicator even mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you measure that? Is it you're saying less filler words like, um, ah, uh, is it you're smiling more? We're not really sure. So the way I think about it is communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So one of those balls is body yeah. language. One of them is storytelling. One of them is eye contact. So that's why it's confusing for people and it's also overwhelming. So for me, the question now becomes, Rachel, what are the three easiest balls for us to juggle? Because if we can build momentum in those three ideas, we can build that success. So let's start with ball number one, which is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like trophy, like suitcase, like paper towel, like computer screen, and create random presentations out of thin air. And this serves for two reasons. One, helps us deal with uncertainty. Because life is filled with uncertainty. To your point, when you have small talk with somebody, you have no idea how the conversation is going to go. You have no idea what questions will be yes. asked. So it helps you think on your feet. And then the second reason is that if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. So I recommend that exercise for everyone. The key is really just to, to make, and I'm happy to demonstrate if you'd like, Rachel, but basically what it is, and you yeah. don't need a dictionary because dictionaries are boring. Just just pick an object and like, literally <laughs> look around your house and go light bulb. You don't have to go into a thesaurus and start uh, <laughs> analyzing every word. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Rachel. Give me any word that you'd like. Um, so like right now I'm staring at a laptop while we're recording. Sure. So for those of you listening to this podcast, Rachel did not give me the word laptop prior to this conversation. So here I go. It's Sunday morning <laughs> and I'm on my laptop. And a lot of people tell me I shouldn't work on the weekends, but dang it, I need to because it helps me achieve my dreams a lot faster. 
And you know what's so interesting, Rachel, about the laptop is that 50 years ago, people thought that computers were crazy, let alone personal laptops. The CEO of IBM at the time said that, you know, I think the market for personal computers in America is probably eight or six or 10. And that he was obviously wrong because it turns out that hundreds of millions of people actually wanted a personal laptop. And isn't that interesting, Rachel, how there's so many great inventions, so many amazing things that happen in our life that we take for granted. Whether it's the laptop that we're using to have this conversation, the cup that we drink water out of, the house that we get to live in. So I encourage all of you today to find that one thing to appreciate. Because if we do that, we'll start to live a life in gratitude and enjoy the happiness around us. That's it. Random word exercise. That's so good. How long can my listeners expect for it to take before doing the uh, the exercise and it just can just flow out like that? Like he said, I did not give him that word beforehand, but that was an amazing intro to any speaking event. Absolutely, Rachel. So here's the way I think about this. For the, for the first hundred, it doesn't even matter how it sounds. It's just about doing it. But a hundred seems like a lot, but it really isn't. Because mm-hmm. what, I, what I just demonstrated took like, what, yeah. 60 seconds? So if you do this five times a day, and I always encourage people, especially who have kids, to do it with their children. Because it integrates it in your life, and you're also teaching them how to speak. But if you do that five times a day, which only takes five mm-hmm. minutes, in three weeks, three weeks, you'll have done it a hundred times. So the first hundred, don't keep score. Just do it for the sake of it. And what happens is as you do it more, you stop caring about what everyone else thinks and you start to have fun with the exercise, which is the whole point of this. Well, you know, in addition to the the practical ways and the exercises that your channel and your class provides, I also love how you anchor this kind of really broad concept of public speaking and communication in things like how we can be how we can present like and then insert a well-known public speaker that's doing their job very well um and i know that one of those has been uh joe rogan that you have discussed i know i have listeners who listen to joe rogan his podcast and who appreciate um his communication style and um so yeah just like talk to us a little bit about how someone like that we can learn from that and, and applying that to our daily lives yeah for sure rachel you know for me it's always been about when we study speakers we take a little piece of them and put it in ourselves so obviously since i'm the i'm the communication guy i've studied hundreds of these speakers to learn and gleam on what's one thing that i really enjoy that i can apply back into mm-hmm. my game into how i communicate my ideas to the world so joe is a great example of that i think what he does really well He's really good at asking powerful questions and being likable and relatable. He's one of the few people I've seen yes. in history who's able to bring on like a scientist on one episode and then bring a comedian on the next one. Yet it's all relevant to the audience. The average American is still able to listen to both episodes and understand it. The other piece is Joe talks like an average American. So even if he's having a complex conversation, He's able to simmer it down in a way that's accessible to other people. And I think that's really powerful. The other piece is he's really good at holding really long conversations. Those are the three things that I that I took from Joe. It reminds me of like, I remember talking about in the first episode of the podcast, how as professionals, whether it's 
lawyers or a different field, we have to be bilingual. We have to be able to speak both legalese and English so that we can convey to people from who are not coming from our field how they can understand um, what we're conveying about information in our field. Um, and so that's, I think that's really great points that we can take away from his podcast and his presentation style. Since we've kind of talked about, you know, the, these great things that Joe brings to the table, we know that like part of how he has kind of um, risen to such popularity is that he also broaches issues that are um, more controversial. And I have a lot of listeners that are either in fields or, or advocates or are in grassroots who do have to talk about a lot of um, difficult topics and topics that are controversial. And so I'd love to kind of really dig into that with, with you as a, as a fellow communication expert. How can they go about um, talking about these topics in a way first that, you know, is understandable, gets their point across. But then I'd love to kind of get into how we become more persuasive speakers and communicators. For sure, Rachel. Here, here's the way I think about it. I always start with gratitude and what we already agree on. So, for example, okay. when we bring out controversial subjects, we're not controversial on everything. It's just in that specific stance. So I always like to begin with what do we have in common? Why are we a part of the same tribe? That's one piece so that people listen to us because there's three parts of communication. Are people listening to our ideas? Are people taking action or ideas? And are people sharing our ideas? That's the framework. So if people aren't listening to our ideas, obviously they won't take action and share them, which is the point of sharing an idea so that it reaches more people. So the first step is how do we get them to listen to our ideas? So it's not about jumping in and going, everything's wrong. The women are this, men are this. Like, no, that's not what it, how you actually present a strong case. You start by going, what can we agree on when it comes to this topic? And then can we all agree on that? Then we have a we have a consensus. And then from that consensus, then we start to deviate and say, what are the parts of this argument that I that I believe are not correct? And here's why. Explaining the why is really important to the context for people. And also mm -hmm. having the empathy to sit people down and ask them in smaller groups what they think about this. So you can think of every objection they can come up with of that controversial idea. So you have rebuttals. That's the other piece. And then the last piece, which a lot of people miss whenever they share controversial ideas, is how would people's lives improve if you were right about your controversial idea or thought? So I'll give you an example with yes. me in my industry. I'm very controversial when I say that uh, the number one challenge of communication, I actually don't think it's fear at all. I think it's number two. Number one is actually motivation because there's so many things in our life that we've been scared of, like getting our GED, going to high school, uh, getting a job, asking somebody on a date, getting married, having kids. We're all scared about doing these things, but our motivation, our desire to do it is greater than the fear. So why aren't we applying that association to communication? So that's just an example of a controversial idea, but I explain it in a way where people want to believe me. That makes so much sense. I know that also on the episode um, talking about how to help kids become uh, better communicators on your YouTube that you have mentioned how part of the problem when we're thinking about how to communicate with kids or how to help kids become better communicators is that part of the part of the obstacle is the way that public speaking requirements are set up in schools. 
do you think that maybe that's like why Montessori and um, uh, other more free form uh, adaptable versions of schooling, homeschooling, um, private schooling, like do you think that's why they've kind of picked up in popularity is, is kind of gearing more towards how kids think and feel? For sure, Rachel. You know, you know the way I think about it is when we when we go about communication. Let's summarize those thoughts for people who didn't watch that video. Which is the reason why all of us are scared of communication is because we grew up believing that it's a chore, and the reason we believe it's a chore is because every presentation we give in school is mandatory. So it's never, hey, Rachel, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two. <laughs> is you're never presenting something you care about. It's never, hey, Rachel, are you passionate about law or podcasting or media? No, you have to talk about Shakespeare and poetry. And then after, you have to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, I don't live in Missouri. Like, I don't under... And that's the second piece. And then the third piece to that is every presentation is tied to a punishment. So you don't do a great job, you get hit on the head, and you lose 20% of your grade as a 12-year-old. So yes, of course we grow up believing that it's a chore. So that's the core idea here. In terms of your question around the education system, how to fix it, I think the biggest thing is as parents and as educators, we just need to take charge of that piece, which means let's say the rain to word exercise as an example, do that with your children. Don't just do that with yourself. Same thing with video messages. Don't just send video messages to people that you love, which is great, have your kids send video messages to your relatives, to your uncles, your aunties, and it means so much to them, and it creates that encouragement for them. And then the next time they want something, they want to, you want to buy them something, just have them make a presentation around it, and you'll save a bunch of money because they'll refuse most of the time. <laughs> I have a lot of parents that are listeners, and they, you know, want their kids to feel confident in um, not only public speaking, but in, like, that confidence to be themselves and, and speak um, their opinions. Um, and so I think those are great tips to help kids in the beginning. Have you seen that with clients that you have that becoming better at public speaking like helps their confidence? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've always believed, Rachel, that communication is an accelerant of dreams. So what does that mean? That means it doesn't really matter what we want in life communication helps us achieve that goal faster. So if we want to be a better mom or dad for our kids, communication helps us show up in a way that's more present so our kids mirror that behavior. The second piece to that is if we want a job promotion, we want to get a raise, well, we need to understand the people at the top of any food chain in corporate, they're all great speakers, they're all great communicators, because most of those roles at the top are management. You're managing other people. That's most of the job. So knowing how to communicate allows you to achieve those goals much faster. And then obviously in business, you are the brand of your own company. So how you communicate dictates the quality of how people perceive your products and services. That's why I've always believed communication is effective for every area of life. Communication is an accelerant of dreams. That is, that is powerful. Um, when you are working with clients, I know that some are, are corporate. Have you also had um, individuals that are starting their own business, entrepreneurs looking to become a business owner? Because I know that being able to communicate what you're building or what you have built is super important in that context too. 
Absolutely, Rachel. So yeah, we, we do have some CEO entrepreneurial clients. It's a mix between both, but usually most of the business owners I've worked with, they've already had some success. So they're usually already doing good amounts in their business. It's just about scaling them. I would say for the most of the entrepreneurs I work with, one of the challenge, there's two main challenges that they have. One is they're not, they don't go on a stage. So for example, they get the opportunities because they're successful, but they're too scared to say yes. They don't want to do the panels. They don't want to get on a stage and share their ideas. When you could sign 50 clients in an hour, instead of having 50 one-on-one conversations with everybody, you could just save a lot more time and drive a lot more business. That's one. So it's giving them the courage and the confidence to actually take the opportunities that they're given because they're already successful. So that's one piece. The other piece is on the strategy call itself. When you're having, especially for service-based businesses, when you're having conversations with people to to enroll them into your service, how are you leading those conversations? And a lot of them make a ton of mistakes, not really in what they're saying, but in the assurance, in the way they're communicating. So for example, a lot of them, when they're asking or talking, they, they sound like they're unsure of themselves. They're nervous. They're not looking directly at the, the camera lens and showing that confidence, that conviction in their offer. And that's most of the game. Yeah, I can I can imagine that like it's it's got to be frustrating to be someone who's so deeply involved in communications to watch things on TV like politicians, because a lot of times there's so many communication issues that pop up. It must be just really painful to watch those kinds of things on TV. I could help you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I say, I say it all the time, but but it's 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 a mode you got to learn to turn off, right? Because you'll see it every time you give a presentation. And and that's why you know I found which is kind of a funny side note why a lot of hosts are always intimidated to interview me. That's why I don't I don't come on with a suit or anything. Or or else the host will is already afraid that they're interviewing a communication coach. So so yeah, it's 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 all about it's all about enjoying the the process, right? I think that's the most important piece. Yeah, I love how you um, mentioned in one video that like the idea when you started the company was for the brand to be approachable so that someone might come up to you. But then when it comes to like providing products for your clients to present that premium feel so that they know that they're getting um, the value and a return on their investment. Um, how did you come about like figuring out ways to, to balance that, to have that approachability, but like to still not decrease your perceived value. I mean, that's that's an excellent question, Rachel. It's it's so true, right? How do you balance both of those ideas? I mean, part of it is just, you, as we say in French, which just means you just got to try a bunch of things and see what works and what doesn't. Because I didn't even know you could build a business around MasterTalk. Because I was a technology consultant at IBM. I was doing really well financially. I wasn't looking to be a business owner. A lot of this just happened on its own by accident as I was providing free value to society. That's essentially what happened. Mm. But in that journey, what I realized after years of testing and trial and error here is there's kind of two parts of people, two types of people who watch my content. It's usually, you know, probably 95% of people in the world. So for them, it's really about showing up in a way where the entire general public can relate to me. That's why since you've watched a lot of my videos, you're never going to sit there and go, I don't really understand what Brendan is saying. It's really simple. It's like, okay, this is what Joe Rogan does. And you go, oh, I get that. Like I could apply that because I'm targeting five-year-olds, six-year-olds, people 
But my five percenters, or even three percent, I would argue, a lot of those people, they're not spending much time on my YouTube channel. They might open it for credibility. They'll watch one video, two max, and they'll just go, I'll just, I'll just, I want him. Like, I just want him to hold my hand and <laughs> work with me. That's because my company's just yeah. going to pay for it. So communication is all about context, right? So for YouTube, which is general public, it's how do we communicate in a way that everyone gets me. But for my executives on my one-on-one -on -one strategy where I'm selling them to a multi-thousand dollar package, it's really about I'm listening to them, their problems, and I'm showing them my depth of expertise that I wouldn't show on a YouTube channel because it's too specific to their context. Like how do you communicate in a boardroom as a yeah. VP of this company to become an SVP or a global CMO in six months? That's a very different context than like YouTube, which is more for everybody. So like what's some things that listeners can keep in mind as they're venturing into these different platforms? Yeah, for sure, Rachel. I, I think to simplify this, what I would say, going back to the 18 ball analogy, right? So, so your question really touches on ball 16 or ball 17. And I would say for the people listening to this, it's really about saying, have we booked 15 minutes in our schedule every day to do the random word exercise? That's really the crux because a lot of people don't listen to these tips, but they'll go, oh man, Rachel, you brought this great Brendan guy and he's charismatic and he's sharing all these tips. But the problem is they're not doing them. <laughs> they're not sitting every day and going, right. and then the argument is always, oh, you know, I'm so busy. I'm a lawyer. I got all these things. Hey, everyone showers every day for 15 minutes. So we got 15 minutes there to do the random word exercise. That's one example. The second example is the question exactly. drill which is we get asked questions all the time at work, but how are we proactively managing them? Which means make a list of all the questions you get asked and every single day for five minutes, answer one of those questions. That's it for five minutes. And if you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry, especially if you're an attorney, you're not specializing yeah. in nine different fields of law. You're either a family lawyer, you're either doing corporate lobbying, you're either doing this or that, but you're not doing all of them. And that's really the key is when right. you have an answer for everything, you'll master any sales process. And the third one is just sending video messages to your clients. I don't see a, a single lawyer, Rachel, sending video messages to their top 10 or 15 accounts. Yeah. And that's what actually gets you more business. Talk about like sending these out um, for streamlining purposes. Is it like videos that are tailored to each client that you're sending this to or are they videos that are broad that you pick uh the select um the select group to sit to disperse to the same video right so, so let's start the first one which is doing it is always better than not doing it and that, that's already the, a win so if you're just doing it period you're ahead of 95 percent of people so let's start there the second yeah. step becomes I wouldn't overthink the videos too much. So I personally like individuals. Just, just today, I sent 32 voice notes. I didn't send videos. I sent voice notes because it's faster. But to, like, uh, to people I'm, I'm prospecting for. That's it. It only took 15 minutes. But in terms of my private clientele, what I do, usually every few months. I don't do it every day. But I'll send like my top 20 accounts. I'll say like this week is Thanksgiving, holidays in the U.S. I'll say... Hey, Rachel, hope you're doing well. Just wanted to wish you and your family a happy holidays. Like literally nothing. There's no sales. So that when people click that video, that's the only video message. Some people have never received a video message in their life, Rachel. So especially when they hear from someone they already know like you, 
they click it, they go, wow, this is so cool. And that's how I get most of my business. 50% of my business is word of mouth. Why is that? Because when people receive the video messages, 20% of them, 10% of them go, ah, Brendan, you just reminded me of a vice president you need to have lunch with next week. Boom, I have lunch with them and I close the deal. Like, that's it. It's just most people think too much about social media instead of being the best possible influencer for the people who are already their fans, which is their clients that you're delivering great results for. Starting with making sure that you're maintaining that value for those that have been there and have been following or buying before becoming so focused on expanding. Um, that is that is excellent advice. You know, when I was starting out, it's like you said that like you get, I think a lot of business owners, they get harassed by companies that say we can, you know, bring in more referrals, we can bring in more clients, we can help you with advertising and marketing. And it is so crazy how like when you're when you start a business, it can really just spread by word of mouth. You have one client that you've taken care of and they spread to another client, another client, another client. Um, so uh, would you say that like investing in being a better communicator through um, programs like yours is a way that business owners can can find ways to cut costs on advertising, cut costs on marketing. Absolutely, Rachel. You know, the way I see it, it always depends what season you're at. So if you're a student in law school, you're just getting started, you got a lot of student debt, I wouldn't recommend investing in a communication coach, right? But that's the, <laughs> that's the first piece. But I would say, you know, at some point, this is more of a general piece. At some point in our careers, our time becomes more valuable than our money. So a lot of people that work with me, because there's different ways to engage. There's Toastmasters, which is like 100 bucks a year. It's like very cheap, like 10 bucks a month. And that's that everybody should be doing. But I would say for business owners specifically, depending on which level you're at, your time becomes more valuable. So even if you can figure this out on your own, totally, that's the purpose. That's my mission. The reason I feel a lot of people invest in coaching is they want faster results. Like they don't want to spin their wheels for nine months. They just want to go watch, whether it's me or somebody else, I just want to work with this guy because he's already helped 300 people. Kind of like a doctor, like they've operated on so many people. I just want that person to do the operation. So it's just fast. So that <laughs> with that extra time, they just make the money back. But it depends what stage you're at. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody, but for people who really invest in themselves in general, I definitely think communication coaching is a missed opportunity for most executives. That's really, really good breakdown of those of those levels and kind of what we can do with that. Did, for for people who are, um, you know, maybe have like the college student or someone who's not in a financial place to do that, um, do you uh, do you find that like they uh, which they enjoy the, the medium of like YouTube more? Or do you find that they are looking for more um, short form um, informational bites, especially when we're looking at like the younger subset? Like what have you found that they are looking for and seeking out that kind of like information format? Yeah, for sure, Rachel. So, so the way I think about it, what I've seen is definitely short form is working really well. Like we're posting on TikTok and Instagram every single day at this point. So it's working pretty well. But I'd say the big thing for people in college, I would focus a lot more on long form because it's really hard to learn communication. 
through a 60 second voice note through a, through a 60 second reel versus like listening to a podcast like this, which is like a 40 minute conversation. So if there's something that isn't understood, I can provide context and teach it. So you get all the nuances, which is so important to communication. So what people are doing and what I recommend is different. So what people are doing is they're just swiping through the feed and doing the reels and their TikToks. But what I recommend, which is very different, is YouTube and community, which is watch the YouTube videos. You have all the context there because all my content's free. But the other piece is build community within your college. So find other people who like, whether it's me or somebody else, who like my free videos and just do the exercises with each other and it won't cost you a dollar. And by building that that like kind of base of viewers and supporters locally, do you find that that kind of helps overcome the the algorithm hump of first starting out on those platforms? Like, because you have an influx of of viewers that know you personally that are are watching that and kind of help build that up. Yeah, so I would say I would say it depends on the content creator, but for me personally, that strategy worked out very well because I got a thousand subscribers in the first two months okay. of my YouTube channel. And the reason I grew so quickly had nothing to do with the algorithm. Trust me, Google, YouTube doesn't care if you're under a thousand. And they probably still don't care even at the number I'm at today. <laughs> it's, it's only after you pass a hundred thousand that YouTube's really helping you. But but YouTube did push a lot of my videos early, okay. which I, got, I just got lucky. But I would say the big piece is really local because I had a massive network in business school. Because remember, Rachel, I coached communication for three years for free. Helping all of those people. I never thought it would be a YouTube channel. I was just helping, helping. And all of them got incredible jobs at McKinsey and at IBM and Deloitte. They have massive salaries. They're doing really well because I helped them. And I didn't ask them for any money. So when I, was, when I started the channel, I just had one ask, which is blow my channel up. Like talk to everybody. It's free. Help people. And they all promoted my, my channel. That's how it grew so quickly. That's fantastic. So we've talked a lot about venues and situations that are either one person speaking um, to an audience or that, you know, is a receptive audience. But if we could kind of transition to situations that listeners may be in that are more adversarial, that may be a debate format, or if, you know, things get hairy at Thanksgiving dinner, talking about touchy subjects, can you kind of give um, some insight as to how uh, listeners can deal with um, more adversarial settings to um, you know, respond with grace, respond res- persuasively, respond in ways that, you know, help you win the argument ult- ultimately, if possible, just some ways that they can, they can go about doing that. For sure, Rachel. Yeah. In terms of your question, what I would say, I would start by, by saying something that most people don't like, which is how does your way benefit the other person? So let me give you a simple example to demonstrate this. Let's say you're married to somebody and that person wants to get Chinese food and you like Mexican food. Okay, very simple. So yes, we can go to our significant other and go, hey, like we should really have Mexican food, not Chinese food, but we're making it about us. So we make it about us, that's when you get a lot of conflict. Versus going, hey babe, they got a special at, at the Mexican place. It's, they got two for one tacos. I know how much you love tacos. How about we go there tonight? What do you think? <laughs> I'm still getting what yeah. I want, but notice how now I'm focusing on the other person. I'm not going, I hate Chinese yeah. food. We need to go to Mexican food. No, it's, 
hey babe you know they got your favorite quesadillas let's how about we how about we get there I, i'll pay this time i'll pay it's like how could you say no to that right so so it's all about and yes. that's and that's how i've been able to live with two incredible women in my house for 10 years haven't never had a single <laughs> argument with my mom and my sister just got to focus on other people that's all that's fantastic well i know that you have to go really soon but i want to give you a chance to talk to the listeners about your um programs that you have coming up uh so if you would just take it away and tell us about those for sure, Rachel. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word, and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak and communicate ideas. And the second way to keep in touch is a free communication workshop that I deliver online every two weeks. It's my gift to the community. So if you want to jump in on that, they're live, they're interactive, they're super fun, and they're over Zoom and I facilitate them. So you can register for that at rockstarcommunicator.com.